Good morning. My name is Mark Beckett, and I'm here honored to be speaking before you for the first time since I've been going to King Avenue, which is a long time. I'm a lifelong Methodist. I grew up in the south end of Columbus. Two people that I grew up at church with are sitting here with us today. It's always nice to see those connections. I work as a healthcare chaplain for Capital City Hospice after working at the James Cancer Hospital for about four years. One Sunday morning earlier this year, Reverend Keeney, now basking in his retirement, I wonder if we check in for Susan, see how she's doing with all this, asked if he could see me after church. I thought, uh uh-oh, what would he want? It turns out he wanted to know if I'd be willing to offer a testimony on my work as a chaplain, as well as what King Avenue means to me. Sure, I said, then he reminded me, be brief. But we didn't set a date, and things happened as they tend to do, and the time got away from us. So then in April, when he said need to see me again after church, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. He then asked me, instead of giving a testimony, could I preach on the Sunday between his leaving and Reverend Pyatt arriving? I agreed to do so, knowing that the date was firm, for set for sure, and there were no time limits on how long I could talk. <laughs> and he added, you can speak on whatever topic you want. So here I am, given this privilege, so sit back and settle in those cozy wooden pews. Listen to these words from Mark's Gospel. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was almost being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushions. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You pray with me, please. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Our scriptures this morning from the book of Psalms and the Gospel of Mark are this Sunday's suggested readings for churches and denominations all over the world. The timing is perfect. They're a little bit stormy, aren't they? Just like our recent weather. Psalm 107 is a prayer of thanksgiving for the return of the Jewish people from exile, meant to be read and celebrated in the temple. We heard one of four metaphors used to describe this captivity going through a violent storm. 
the psalmist writes, for God commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. The people mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Mark tells the story, as do Matthew and Luke in their Gospels, of Jesus inviting the disciples after a long day of teaching them and a crowd about the kingdom of God, he invited them to take a little break. Let's go across to the other side of the lake where the Gentiles lived, by the way. So they left the crowds and cast off with other boats for the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Suddenly a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. They were afraid they were perishing. And remember that at least four of the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee for most of their lives. They were used to typical storms. This was something special. Images of rough water and high seas are used throughout the Bible as a symbol for hostile, dangerous, even demonic forces and chaos. So hasn't the past year been a stormy one for our world and for our country? So many events that have felt like we are riding, riding the waves of a violent sea, up and down, up and down. Have you felt your courage melting away at all and feelings of being swamped? I know I have. The tsunami of the COVID-19 virus has cast waves of illness and suffering and grief around the world. And even as its tide seems to be ebbing here with a gradual return to normal, and we took that for granted, didn't we? What was a typical normal day? The waters of suffering are still covering much of God's earth with pain, despair, and death. We've dealt with government responses not seen in a hundred years in attempts to contain the virus and prevent the spread, mandated business closing in churches, masking orders, loved ones in nursing homes and hospitals not allowed any visitors, social distancing, beleaguered, exhausted staff in hospitals, essential workers not paid a living wage. We've seen the storms of strife between political parties the deepening division between the blue and the red states, a sharp rise in violent crime, daily protests against the police, systematic racism, and income inequality, climate change, and the ones who deny that, hackers, wars without end, millions out of work, the siege of our capital, the storms of life are raging, and we too might cry out, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? When I thought about John's original invitation of offering a testimony about my role of a chaplain, and then read and pondered these scriptures I saw for today, I saw how much they intertwined and just might work for a sermon. As a healthcare chaplain, I am called to minister to people from all walks, and stations of life and faith, faithful churchgoers of all stripes, those who claim to be spiritual but not religious, and the nuns, 
those not assigned with any faith tradition in a rapidly growing group. Stormy winds of illness are no respecter of persons. While I am educated, licensed, endorsed, annually reviewed, and appointed by the bishop of our district, and acknowledged by the United Methodist Church at large, all of that faithful, official stuff doesn't really come up when I'm with a patient. What matters at bedside are the gifts God has given me to minister to families, patients, and staff. An open and accepting heart, a calming presence in the midst of awful distress and trouble in their lives, empathy, curious and attentive listening, and a good sense of humor, which I start off going easy on people for that. Patients and I often laugh together. One of my regular patients at the James was an older, well, I guess she was about my age, so she's not that old, a sweet and funny woman who had suffered from sickle cell disease since she was three years old. Talk about a storm in your life. She said, you are the only person who comes in this room who doesn't want to poke, prod, inject, weigh, feed, measure, or question me, and then let me go back to sleep. So sit down and let's talk, Mr. Mark. Chaplains are not often called to the rooms of those doing well or get phone calls from families. I only remember one time when I was asked to offer a prayer of thanksgiving, and that was for a young couple who had a healthy baby boy after a difficult pregnancy. Most of the time, when I see a referral from a facility staff, another member of our hospice team, a family, or the patient themselves, it is when the clouds are gathering, the storm is brewing, or just after a windstorm has arisen and the waves are beating into the boat and the boat is being swamped. Often, visit requests come during a period of transition for the patients when their present understanding of who they are and their place in this world is giving way to a new reality. Oftentimes, they are afraid and feeling alone. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They need someone to sit and listen and hear and honor their story. There is a term for these in-between periods called the liminal, a period that we are often not fully aware of, the subliminal, when the old is passing away and the new is yet to be. Liminal comes from the Latin word meaning threshold and is also at the root word of preliminary. In these times, we move from an orientation, say a good state of health, to a period of disorientation, we receive a serious diagnosis. To reorientation, as we move into the reality of treating and living with the disease, or perhaps with my hospice patients facing the end of their lives. It was a calm evening on the lake, and then a sudden storm, and then a new realization on the power and presence of God in crisis in our lives. The Bible is full of stories of transition, 
the time between the defeat and exile of the Jewish people and the return to their homeland, celebrated in our psalm, the 40 days and 40 nights of the great flood, the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness, the days between crucifixion and resurrection, between resurrection and ascension, and ascension to Pentecost. During our journey through the Christian year, we celebrate the life and ministry of Jesus. In spring, during the liminal days of Lent, we remember Jesus' Last Supper and the suffering and death on Good Friday, even as we stand at the threshold of Easter Sunday. During the liminal days of Advent, we wait for the coming of the baby Jesus, even as we wait at the threshold of Christmas morning. I remember as a little boy, my brothers and I took turns opening our yearly Advent calendar, marking each day it took to get through Advent and looking at the little pictures there. And of course, these liminal times aren't always negative. These can be a threshold we are happy to cross where the water is fine, a pregnancy, a wedding ceremony, graduation, education, starting a job or retiring from one, learning a new skill or beginning a relationship, when we are so happy to thank the Lord for his steadfast love and extol and praise him. I think the most common response I hear from folks when they learn of my work is, I don't know how you do that. Some days, I don't know how I do that myself. What I do know is that I am in this ministry not by myself, that God is with me and giving me the grace, energy, strength, right, right words, and prayers to enter these stormy situations, often with a complete stranger, and then sojourn with them for a while, hoping and praying I can help calm the water just a bit, knowing that I cannot solve their problems or even answer many questions. Another pastor in my clinical pastoral education residency at Ohio State taught that the chaplain should have the calmest presence in a room, and whether that's a hospital room, a nursing home room, a living room, or the funeral home. This church has been an anchor and rock for me for 18 years, and I've loved seeing all the smiling behind your mask and waving to each other from across the sanctuary these past few months, the preaching, the teaching, the praying, I said partying the first service, and singing. All give me strength to answer my calling. It was difficult being away from all of you in this sacred space for those many months. Church has always felt like home away from home. I'm still waiting for the coffee hour to come back. The staff and volunteers did a fantastic job of having church on camera and then getting out our message of love and inclusion for all of God's children to so many persons online. Thank you all for that. I don't understand all the pain and suffering that I see good people going through 
as I move from room to room throughout the day. None of us do, or will in this life. We see through the glass darkly, as Paul writes. It hurts to see people hurt when their courage is melted away and they wheel and stagger and are at their wit's end. If someone asks me, why is this happening to me, or to my husband, or to my grandchild, or my mom, I say, I don't know. I'm sorry you're going through all this. While none of us can know exactly how another person is feeling, we all have known suffering and have compassion for each other. By our presence, our listening, our walking alongside, and our prayers, we can help answer the plea of those in distress. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who rulest winds and water, stand by me, stand by me. We need to cry out to God and acknowledge our dependence on God. I know that my prayer life is at its fullest when I'm busiest. That seems to happen a lot lately. When I am feeling swamped and at my wit's end and can only find strength for the journey from God. God is with us in and through our being with each other. God's steadfast love is expressed through the presence of the Holy Spirit, our family and friends, the doctors and the nurses and the therapists and the chaplains and the aides and the people who clean the bathrooms. Annie Lamont, who writes about spirituality, quotes Ram Dom, a spiritual teacher and psychologist, when it's all said and done, we're all really just walking each other home. Both the gospel reading and the psalm end on a note of thanksgiving. As the storms are stilled, waves hushed, gladness ushered in, the sea becomes calm and the winds rebuked, the sea commanded to be at peace and be still. All are saved. During this period of transition, we have been called on to wait patiently from the time that we learned John was retiring and that Colleen was appointed to be the senior pastor at Bexley Methodist, where I attended for many years. We are waiting patiently with the threshold of their arrival becoming next week. Thanks be to God for these liminal days, these in-between times we walk through together, for living as faithful, expectant, hope-filled, believing children of the living God who rebukes the wind and hushes the waves of the sea and whose steadfast love endures forever. Amen.